welcome back to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the twice-weekly amuse-bouche to keep you posted between the eight-course meal that is the Keeping Carlson Mega Show each and every Sunday night. I'm Ben Burnett. Joining me today, my good buddy and yours, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ben. Thanks so much for bringing us in here, and especially a hearty meal this week since we had a patron cast just yesterday, so an enormous amount of content on the Keeping Carlson feed this week. So many amuse-bouches. Do you think that's the the plural for amuse-bouche? I'm pretty sure. Bouches? It's like, uh, or amuse-bouche, like attorneys general. Mm, it's definitely amuse-bouche. Thank you for My that. My bouche is, is highly amused this weekend, I- at any rate. <laughs> I don't want to know why, but I will say this as an amuses boosh, uh, a follow-up. Brady Kachuk is back. Already popped an assist tonight on Drake Batherson's first goal of the season. I am pretty stoked about the Ottawa Senators, and so are uh, many fantasy friends of mine. So that's uh, I'm excited about this. That's I don't really have any analysis. I'm just stoked about Brady. Yeah, you know, in Ottawa, we've got that exciting top line all together for the first time in Colorado as well. Uh, It's good to see. All right, Lewis, why don't you start us off this week? All right, well, we get to start with our forever favorite topic. We got to talk about some COVID issues on a variety of teams and how that's going to affect them. We'll try to move through it quick as it is a not super fun topic, but uh, we'll start in Winnipeg where Mark Shifley uh, had a positive test and then a negative test early on Tuesday, um, but then produced a second positive test on Tuesday afternoon and missed Thursday's game. It does sound like Winnipeg might not be as bad off COVID-wise as we were worried, but it's still no fun to go through these panic-inducing bits of fantasy news in yet another season. Hopefully, we'll be able to move on from them before too long. Uh, And certainly losing two-thirds of their top line is no joke for the struggling Jets. Uh, It did mean that we finally saw something that looked like a first line with Nikolai Ehlers on it. So very exciting for him uh, to finally be ascendant. But we'll see, you know, what happens once everybody's back in there. I do have a little concern for Wheeler, who is said to be experiencing symptoms that may slow his return and impact his productivity this season. Uh, We also found out Brandon Saad will be unavailable for Saturday's game in L.A. due to COVID protocol. So please watch for those Blues updates. Check your game day lines tweets. Uh, That would leave that second line undermanned as Pavel Buchnevich will also be serving the second game of his suspension. Uh, Might be a nice opportunity for Peterson or quick owners, depending on who takes the start. Uh, One more in Pittsburgh. Uh, Jeff Carter tested positive. Uh, Tristan Jari is also in COVID protocol, but hopefully can produce those negative tests. Uh, It seems likely that Carter will miss Friday's game. Uh, A pair of negative tests could get him back in that lineup, but I wouldn't build my strategy around that possibility. It also likely moves Evan Rodriguez to line one, power play one. That's quite the glow up. Uh, for him with three senators above him on the mend. Erod has had a great start to the season with two goals and an assist in four games and three shots uh, per game and a hit and a half per game too. Uh, Crosby is skating and getting daily updates about his progress, so uh, Rodriguez's time with great deployment is probably limited, so enjoy it while you can. Maybe try to flip him for a solid second liner to someone unfamiliar with Pittsburgh's woes down the middle. Who is Erod? Erod, Evan Rodriguez. Oh. You know, they always call everybody who's got a Rodriguez that first initial. (laughs) Right, yeah. A famous nickname for Evan Rodriguez. We're all aware of Evan Rodriguez's little nickname. I'm just teasing you. Um, You heard it here first, you know? Okay. so Someone's got to start the trend. 
Right. This is our new Philly Heat. Every time Evan Rodriguez scores, we're going to uh, slap the old Festivus rod. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Lewis, I am sick of all of the COVID stuff. I would much rather we were talking about something more fun. But unfortunately, it does seem like we're going to be dealing with some COVID absences. Um, I guess, do you have any fear that we could be looking at cancellations at any point, game postponements? Well, the hope certainly is that with you know, teams pretty heavily vaccinated that, you know, the, the breakthroughs will be minimal and hopefully uh, we can keep teams on the ice. I, I don't want to speculate, you know, obviously we want to hope to avoid that worst case scenario, uh, but we'll roll with the punches as they come and we'll pre- keep bringing you updates in the middle of the week to try to help you sort through everything. All right. Well, let's pop over to New Jersey where I'm going to update an item we talked about on Tuesday. Jack Hughes, uh, we mentioned on the last show, went into the board awkwardly, looked to have injured his shoulder. Turns out it was dislocated, which uh, is not a good injury to have. I don't know if you uh, have ever popped your shoulder out, Lewis. Not a lot of fun. It looks like he's going to miss a few weeks here, which is a bummer beginning to what was supposed to be the third annual Jack Hughes supposed breakout campaign. Um, I did reach out to our friend of the podcast and co-manager uh, of a league, Victor Nuno from the Fantasy Hockey Life, also a medical doctor, uh, who said a gave kind of a fairly wide range for when Hughes might come back from the injury. He said between three to eight weeks, depending on how conservative they want to be, how quickly he's able to heal, you know, as as a young athlete, probably pretty ahead on the uh, the recovery curve, or how much the Devils want to rush him, right? In his place, I I think there are a few interesting options here. In particular, I'm very interested to see what Nico Hishier can maybe do. He's the most important player for the Devils' success with Hughes out. He might even be the most important player for the Devils' success with Hughes in the lineup. Just because, you know, Hughes has shown that he's able to... Uh, to elevate his line mates as a transition player and turn guys who normally you would probably find in the bottom six into usable top six lineup uh, line mates. I think with Heeshear, though, we just haven't yet seen what he's capable of offensively um, if he's able to stay healthy this year. He's yet to break 60 points in a season, but it's important to remember the kid is just 22 years old, and his biggest barrier, like I said, is the injury issue. So I am curious what his offensive ceiling might be, and I was shocked to see Lewis. He's owned in just like 25% of Yahoo leagues. So most leagues uh, out there, you are probably able to grab a hold of Nico Heeshear. If you're in a deeper league, I think uh, you know guys joining Heeshear and Dougie Hamilton on the top power play, you have Pavel Zaka who's also playing with Heeshear and Brat at even strength. Zaka put up nearly a 60-point season last year, which was a huge step forward for him as a guy who kind of looked to be uh, topped out for a top 10 pick. Um, Tom Tatar also hopped up on the top unit in the Devils' last game after Brian mentioned on last week's Keeping Carlson Mega Show that he would cut bait on Tatar. I did reach out to Brian to see if the news made him change his mind, and he said, not super interested given the fact that he's still playing with Andreas Janssen and Dawson Mercer at even strength. Tatar does have two assists through his first two games. Currently, he's part of a shutout bid by Washington, so not looking too good for him to continue that streak heading into the season. But Tatar, Zaka, and Jesper Bratt are all reasonable options in New Jersey uh, for points, even though Jack Hughes going out probably does diminish their ceiling a little bit here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Some solid analysis there. I do just want to jump in and say, uh, just keeping us up to the minute on games that are already over by the time you're listening, but uh, New Jersey has managed to score Yannick Kwakanen with assists from Damon Severson and Dawson Mercer. Uh, and as long as we're doing goal updates, Jesperi Kokaniemi has scored against his former team uh, with a tip-in goal. Kind of a fun revenge night tonight, eh? <laughs> Absolutely. With, uh, we got Carlson, Carlson back in uh, Carlson and Balsers back in Ottawa. Sure. You've got obviously Josh Norris playing against his former team. Definitely an interesting night for real hockey uh, to to be watching. So let's get through the rest of our show so we can go back to watching it, Lewis. Uh, what do you got for us next? All right, so we had an injury in the crease in Edmonton uh, with Mike Smith placed on injured reserve. Uh, it does look like the Oilers are going to be going with Miko Koskinen in the meantime. They brought up a backup whose name escapes me at the moment, but I don't imagine Stuart it's going to be Skinner. particularly important. Ah, Stuart Skinner, thank you. Uh, and Mike Smith, I think, is scheduled to do a little bit of skating early next week, uh, so it seems like it's not going to be uh, a super long-term thing. But in the meantime, uh, Koskinen could be an interesting pickup, especially if you're looking for wins. Uh, if you favor volume and not rate stats, this is going to be a good opportunity uh, to enjoy a little bit of time with Miko Koskinen, although he has not been super reliable for us in the past. So you would you would stream Koskinen in or no? Well, I suppose it depends. I really enjoyed streaming in Tomas Grice, and it seems like uh, Nedeljkovic is having a, a tough outing. Uh, so I think I would prefer Grice if he's available, and he is pretty widely available, although one of the most added players lately. Um, but I might be interested in Koskinen if I'm looking for the win. I, I feel pretty confident that Edmonton is going to be very competitive in any game they play. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to be one that's super exciting if you're trying to you know, keep your goals against average low. So here's here's an interesting factoid, Lewis. The only game tonight that has yet to start as we record this is the Edmonton-Arizona game. Do you think that tomorrow morning we'll be waking up to a decent outing from Miko Koskinen against Arizona? So decent meaning 9-10 save percentage or higher and fewer than four goals allowed? I would say like 900 and a win is fine, but yeah, okay. sure. I think 900 and a win is definitely doable. Uh, I think 910 and under three goals allowed may be a little sketchier, but come on, we're talking about uh, we're talking about Arizona, although they've been playing a little more wide open lately, which has been pretty exciting uh, in terms of their offense, even though they're not winning many of these games. All right, Lewis, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be chatting about the namesake of our podcast network, you're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, we are going to jump right on over to the desert. We kind of mentioned him earlier tonight. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Eric Carlson's gangbuster start to the season? Heck yeah, Eric Carlson is back, baby. The namesake of the podcast is making his return to fantasy relevance, and it's great to see. Uh, he gave probably the best uh, you know, interview that we've had since... Nikita Kucherov's uh, post-Stanley Cup interview. Uh, he dropped some swears. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, and, and at least in his own estimation, uh, Carlson is ready to be back to being the greatest defenseman in the world. As Elon discussed, uh, that Carlson has expressed a great deal of confidence. Uh, and he's off to a really hot start. Uh, before Thursday night's games, he had a goal and three assists, all on the power play on four shots. Uh, and he has added an assist here on Thursday. Uh, obviously, that game is still going. 
so these numbers are a bit inflated, as you'd expect, with a 164-point pace as of this recording, uh, but nothing too outrageous. He's not going to score on a quarter of his shots, and his 80% points percentage should fall down to his typical all-situations 55-60%, to 60%, but I'm very hopeful that this is a sign it's not going to be a repeat of his nightmare 38% points participation from last season, where he just couldn't seem to get involved in the offense. Uh, He was available in one of my shallow leagues, and I snapped him up very excited, especially with this Thursday, Friday, Sunday schedule this week. Obviously, those Thursday games will be in the rear view, um, but Sharks very appealing because they're not playing on that busy Saturday, and you can get games Friday, Sunday. So consider uh, taking a look for a variety of Sharks. Another one who's interesting is Kevin LeBanc. Uh, He has a goal this evening, uh, and he had another goal that got called off, so unfortunate, obviously, but showing some offensive prowess, and he put up five hits so far as well, so uh, providing you with a few peripherals there. That might be an interesting uh, one to grab in leagues where Carlson obviously is owned if they are a little bit deeper. LeBanc? Yeah. No, I'm saying... There's got to be some better options off, uh, off the Sharks than LeBanc, I would imagine, eh? Well, like I said, it depends on the depth of your league. Right. I mean, we talked about the Sharks the other night. They have uh, Meyer and Couture, like around 30%. So I think that those guys are are a bit more interesting to me from a streaming perspective. uh, Absolutely. This weekend. Yeah, you want somebody who's on that first power play if you can swing it. I'd rather Eklund or Dahlin as well, I think, over LeBanc. I'm a, I have a question for you about this. You say that the numbers aren't too outrageous, but we're talking about a defenseman shooting 25% on the season. Like That's like four or five times higher than I would expect him to be shooting the rest of the season, wouldn't you? Well, right, but we're also talking about only four total shots, so he's going to be at 0% or 25%. Like when you're dealing that's with such bad. a small that's sample a size. <laughs> the four shots in three games is not good, right? Like That's a, that's a warning sign. It could be, potentially. Uh, That's only through the first two. It's not counting tonight's uh, game, so I don't know how many he's added on there. Um, But yeah, you'd hope to see him, you know, an offensive, dynamic uh, Carlson certainly puts up more than two shots a night. Um, But again, you know, he's obviously feeding the puck very well on the power play. I think that's not so bad. I'm not going to get too hung up on the fact that he's one for four. Uh, I think you still would be pretty excited about the the four assists that he's got through two games and change here um, to to be able to say, you know, Carlton is back, right? All right. Uh, riddle me this, Lewis. Over or under 30% usage on the power play for Eric Carlson this season? Well, I feel like you wouldn't be asking me unless the answer was going to be uh, surprising to us. So is he, does he have these power play assists on under 30% power play usage? I got you. He's over. But he's at thirty four percent because I knew I knew my question would be leading here, so I I, ah. I I zigged when you thought I would zag. So clever, a real riddler over here. Four power play points on forty percent or less. Thirty thirty five percent of power play usage is very scary to me. I would imagine that his power play on ice shooting percentage is extremely high. I definitely agree that we're looking at a better season for Eric Carlson this year, and I'm I'm excited to see what, what he can do. But I would say that we're like his ceiling is much lower as well. I think we're talking about a guy who might be able to do like fifty to fifty five points rather than like I don't think we're looking at the heights of, you know, seventy plus point per game Eric Carlson like we were seeing in like twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. 
Yes, I am in total agreement with you. If it wasn't clear uh, from from what I was talking about previously, but yes, I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see him reaching those heights, um, but certainly a rebound from where we've seen him. And I think you know owners will be very pleased to see him, uh, you know, not continuing that scary downward trend where some people were starting to think, you know, is this guy going to be fantasy relevant again? But certainly a 55 point defenseman, you know, that's somebody that is is going to be interesting to you, especially if he can up that shot rate a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I think given some of the warning signs here, the fact that we're not seeing a ton of um, a ton of repeatable stuff, we're seeing a, a, just like a, a huge power play uh, shooting percentage bender. I do wonder if you couldn't flip Eric Carlson right now to somebody who gets a little overly excited. Um, I wonder if you could like I have Jeff Petrie, who's been garbage this season. I personally would not take a, a Petrie for Carlson deal in the cupful. Elon, don't even try me. But uh, I wonder if you could make that flip. And if you could, would you do it? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I, there's no way that Montreal is going to stay as bad as they have been. They're going to figure some things out or or make some changes that they need to. But Petrie's position of all of them seems pretty secure. Uh, I'm not worried too much about his deployment. I just want to start seeing it start to translate into some fantasy points. So uh, I think that if I could flip Carlson for Petrie, I'd definitely take that opportunity. Uh, One guy who I imagine you would not be uh, trading Carlson for, but who has certainly been on fire lately out in Anaheim. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on with Kevin Shattenkirk. I mean, does he need any introduction at this point, Lewis? The man has... Three point or three goals and six points through his first five games. Um, second most player added on Yahoo today. Three goals on seven shots to start the year, though, and he's getting power play two usage out in Anaheim. Another assist today. This time a uh, a secondary assist. I'm happy for Kevin Shattenkirk. You know, a guy who my horrible Rangers. Uh, unceremoniously dumped in a very irritating way uh, season early. Was very happy for him to win a Stanley Cup and very excited for him to be putting up some points to start the year. But I would not be, I would encourage everyone who is looking at Kevin Shattenkirk on their waiver wire. And there are many leagues in which I think you're fine to throw a speculative stream on him. But do not drop anyone good for Kevin Shattenkirk. I am begging people, do not drop anyone good. The signs are not good for Kevin Shattenkirk to repeat or to continue what he's doing. You know, a guy like Eric Carlson, I see him on the second power play unit in San Jose. And I think to myself, all right, well, San Jose, you know, they have a lot of offensive players and Eric Carlson has been very productive in the past. So I could definitely see him being productive from a second power play unit, or even like you can also see an upside where if he were to get more power play deployment, my uh, internal projection for him would go up. Kevin Shattenkirk, though, does not have any of that going for him in in Anaheim. He's playing on a second power play unit uh, with uh, Cam Fowler and the Ducks' second best uh, group of three forwards. It's just not a good look. So, uh, again, very happy for Kevin. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to last. Stream him if you can. The Ducks have a great off-night schedule. But once again, I just it bears repeating do not drop anyone good for Kevin Shattenkirk. Please, God, do not do it. <laughs> All right. He is putting the public service announcement out there. Please save yourselves from yourselves. All right, Lewis, why don't you take us to our last stop tonight? 
All right, so I think we need to spend some time talking about the hottest even-strength line in hockey to start the season, and we got to go down to Philadelphia, uh, where this second line of Joel Farabee, Derek Broussard, and Cam Atkinson has been absolutely on fire. Uh, six goals for, zero goals against, 14 points between the three of them up to this point. You know, it's hard to imagine they're going to keep up this unblemished goals against record while they're carrying only 44% of the shot attempts while they're on the ice. But listen, this is results-based grading right now, and they're off to an outstanding start. Um, just parsing through them a little bit here, Fairby is the biggest producer so far with three goals and three assists, um, but he also has an extremely inflated shooting percentage at nearly 40%, and he's shooting considerably less than Atkinson uh, by about a shot and a half per game. Atkinson is actually up there at 4.3 shots a game, which is really great. You love to see Atkinson shooting a ton. You know, this is a reminder that he is totally capable of scoring 30 goals when he is being given the green light to just pour the shots in. Um, Faraby is actually more widely owned, but I see Atkinson as being more sustainable uh, with his shooting. He might not be, you know, dishing quite as much, um, but, you know, especially in leagues where goals count for more or you're counting shots as well, I think Atkinson is the much better play here. Uh, both are rostered in fewer than 50 55% of Yahoo leagues. Um, but of course, that means that there are some inactive ones out there where maybe they're not uh, not on a roster. So that probably means in the active leagues, uh, you know, there's a f- smaller number of them that are available. But I would be jumping on Atkinson if I had the chance, uh, or Faraby if I was in a deeper league um, and Atkinson wasn't available. Um, but they're definitely worth a grab if you've got a snoozer on your lineup, like a Gallagher, a Lafreniere, uh, a Nick Ritchie. You know, those are guys who... Had some decent deployment, uh, but, you know, we're not seeing a whole lot from them. Uh, So I would be ready to drop them, uh, those other second liners, for one of these outstanding Flyers second liners. Interesting. I'm still not buying Cam Atkinson in Philadelphia. I don't know. I guess... I guess I am now that I see that he is shooting enough and he's he's getting enough play. Uh, I'll I'll back off my anti-Cam stance that I had preseason, but I... I prefer Joel Farabee here, I'll be honest. I think that he's more likely to get top six deployment all season, and I think that he might be the sh- he he might be the best player on that second power play unit. I could see him cleaning up a lot of goals there, and I could also see him being bumped up to the top unit because I think he's a he's a great complimentary piece in Philadelphia. I'm just a huge Joel Farabee fan. Uh, but fair point on Cam Atkinson and the four shots per game. He's always been that volume shooter, so. To see him continue to do that despite a drop in ice time in Philadelphia is certainly heartening. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. For some reason, I just see the ceiling on, on Joel Farabee as, as really high. I love that kid. He's so good at hockey. So I, I prefer Farabee. Yeah, I think he might be kind of the straw that stirs the drink there mm-hmm. on that line. I, I can't imagine it's Derek Broussard, even though he's doing some nice dishing of his own. Um but, you know, as long as they're going to be together and they have this chemistry, you know, I like the guy who's finishing. I love the guy who's putting shots on the net. You know, like Elon, I think uh, I'm a big fan of, of anyone with those high shots. So I'm into it for the time being. All right, Lewis, that's it for us tonight. Why don't you sign us out? 
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. As always, we so appreciate you downloading and enjoying our episodes. I hope that they are helping you uh, find success early here in the fantasy season. Please give us a follow on Twitter at ShortShiftsKK, as well as Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson. You can follow Dave Benton of the Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. He is having a killer week. So if you listen to Stream Scheme on Sunday, you're feeling very good about yourself right now. Uh, Please visit and patronize the great sites we research our episodes at Yahoo! Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Cacupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach, and until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.